I'm Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. I have a returning guest with me today, and we don't want to waste a lot of time with you know, some of the other long introductions because you probably know him well. Rick Abbott, um, I think he has been with me now on the podcast too many times to necessarily count. And we are always talking about something hopeful and optimistic. And he's back to give us an update on Lynn Health and what he and the rest of his incredibly smart, talented, and heartfelt team are working on. Joining us for the first time is Lindsay Harris, and she is the president of HMA. And HMA is a third-party administrator, and I, I want to be sure that I always hit these, these notes well. HMA partners with employers to create cost-effective, customized health plans. They deliver employers more value than anyone in the market by striking the right balance of cost and quality through their network, payment integrity, and robust services. And we're going to get into how some of those services are going to include new partnerships in the year ahead. So welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Great to be here. I wanted to first start with, um, in light of all of the things around us, um, Rick and Lindsay, and maybe Lindsay will want to go first. What is something that you're really hoping for this year? Well, Danielle, first of all, thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you and with Rick. Um, that is such a big question to ask, um, particularly today on the 1st of March with all that's going on in the world. So let's start with peace, um, peace for all the people in the world. And for those that are facing war right now, you know, there's just, there's too much heartache in too many places. Yes. Closer to home, I would say, you know, really looking for opportunities for getting back to normal in, in some way, right? And whether that means um, people getting the care that they need um, again and being able to get back to health, um, whether that means our kids being back to doing all the things that they love to do, um, as that means our businesses getting back to full capacity and really being able to, to do the work that they do. Um, we've all encountered a very long, hard couple of years, and I think it's it's well past time that we get past that. I am in full agreement on all of those things. Um, Rick, how about you? Yeah, so uh, similar to Lindsay, I'm excited to be here again, and thank you for the warm introduction. Um, it does feel like acknowledging the events in Ukraine and everything going on, um, peace is something we all can hope for. But similarly, more close, it's interesting this morning as I was taking two of my children to junior high. Um, and as I've shared, I have a father of five. My daughter asked, um, Dad, do I have to take off my mask on March 12th? And it reminded me for the last two years, um, the children, not just of this community, but across the entire world, have been disproportionately impacted by COVID. And as Lindsay noted, we're going to return to some semblance of normal soon. And my hope for the year is that we can do so in a way that acknowledges how difficult it has been for teenagers, preteens, young kids for the past few years, and allow them to regain some semblance of what they had prior to 2020. So this year, I think our focus and our family is going to be on making sure their lives are as hope-filled as can possibly be. And that's what I'm actually focused on this year. 
I love that too. And uh, Rick, I think, you know, my daughter is a freshman in college this year and, you know, she has loved being able to sort of reintegrate back into a social life and, you know, be in a classroom. The first day she was in a classroom in person, she called me in tears because, you know, she was just like, it's amazing, but it has come with more transition and, you know, kind of learning how to be comfortable in the midst of, you know, things just aren't the same, but um, there's still been so many wonderful pieces to just incorporate back into being with people again and, you know, being in in these environments where our kids can thrive and grow. Exactly. It's amazing. So when you were with me back in December, you and Erica Murdoch were talking about the launch or, you know, the birth of your new baby as, as you will, um, (laughs) Lynn health and Lynn health is an, is a company that is really bent on this mission of helping people who have poly chronic conditions at that point in December, you didn't have partnerships yet that you could speak about publicly, you were looking for some pilot patients and there were a lot of things in the works, but you know, everything was new. Now that we're about 90 days in, I'd love to hear an update from you on how are things going? Yeah. So the good news is by the time this podcast airs, we'll have announced two more clients. Um, So that'll be an exciting announcement uh, as as we enter March here. But February 28th was the end of the 90-day pilot. So you saw us the fifth day at which we had started onboarding (laughs) patients. And to give you a little background, so we ended up onboarding 102 patients. Um, On average, they carried 3.2 chronic conditions per patient. So it was a relatively complex set of initial members, which is good and bad for our clinicians. So might as well start to learn the type of patients we'll see up front, but there was no short ramp time. Essentially, they had to learn how to manage very complex patient sets uh, from day one. The amazing thing is um, it went exceptionally well. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some quantitative data, but then I'll also share some qualitative data yesterday that we talked about with our care team um, around the feedback we've received. So our CSAT Uh, for those 102 patients finished at 95. So to be able to have that level of achievement with patients who frankly um, were somewhere a little bit skeptical of the value it could bring to their life was quite amazing. And our NPS currently resides above 70. Um, Getting 30 or 40 is seen as somewhat unprecedented in the healthcare landscape. So being able to be along the likes of Amazon in terms of an NPS score was amazing. Um, On average, we had some level of communication with every patient every other day. And most of that was via text, which obviously, if you think about it, most people interact with the people in their lives that they love via text. And sometimes they get a phone call. Maybe not if you're a teenager, they pretty much stay in the text. But nonetheless, to be able to have that level of sustained engagement, I think proves a couple things. One, we were delivering some level of value. Um, Two, they were actually building trust with us and believed we could help positively impact their lives. And three, we had done something that was very easy for them to be able to interact with. You know, you want to make sure your product has a usability that's very, very high. And I think that showed that. One of the most amazing stories I heard yesterday that is both sad, but also fulfilling is one of the patients we onboarded at the time did have suicidal ideation. And part of that was because their primary care physician had retired, their behavioral health practitioner had offboarded them, and they had just lost hope that they'd be able to manage a number of their conditions going forward because they didn't have the financial means to do so either. So to be able to help that person at that specific point in time 
is incredibly impactful. And yesterday I got to hear the feedback from that patient, which was, had you not shown up when you did, I don't know where I'd be right now. Uh, and we were able to actually connect them with behavioral health practitioners, enroll them in some social services that would alleviate some of the financial concerns that they had. And this person has, uh, with their new care plan, been able to find a new primary care doc, because obviously this was a pilot, we had to safely offboard them at some place, the primary care doc can pick up where we're leaving off. Um, so to be able to have that level of sustained engagement, but also hear those specific and individual stories of restoring hope is incredibly fulfilling. And I'm very proud of what we've done the last 90 days. I feel proud of you too. Um, and I can, you know, and I, I can imagine, and, you know, we talked about this, you know, just a little actually this morning via text, you know, some of the things that we have been talking about for the last three years or so are even more relevant today. And this need that people have for mental health care services and um, addiction programs, these are all things that, you know, unfortunately haven't faded. Um, there's nothing but a lot of opportunity for, um, for help in that space. Absolutely. What, what kinds of other things are you hearing from your pilot that really resonate for your patients? Yeah, I think there's a couple things I would highlight. So one, the integration of behavioral health care, as you just noted, is critical. Um, and unfortunately, it's something that just doesn't happen for a number of the patients that we received. This was really the first time that they had access to behavioral health care in a sustained manner. And I think those reasons were twofold. One, just finding a behavioral health practitioner, let alone in a timely manner, is difficult. And two, when you do find one, um, many are self-pay. So the ability to actually handle a $150 or $200 weekly bill is very, very difficult. So our ability to actually, in a value-based manner, integrate the behavioral health practitioner and have a sustained level of communications with a patient is really, really critical. I think the second piece is the amount of specialty care that's disintegrated from the overall management of a patient with multiple chronic conditions is pretty substantial. Um, many you know, roughly half had some level of primary care support, but when they needed specialty care, they somewhat did that, navigated that on their own. Um, it was a way where this particular condition is creeping up. I'm going to go to a specialist. They'll provide some level of guidance and probably a prescription. Then another condition may warrant another type of specialty care that warrants another type of prescription. And the primary care doc doesn't necessarily always know everything that's going on. So our ability to rationalize and organize on the specialty side, the type of care they were receiving and really move some of that into a primary care environment was another really big thing that we learned during the pilot. And I think demonstrates that we'll be able to not only improve quality, but substantially lower cost as well. And I would imagine, you know, both scenarios being prevalent, but that ladder of, of people self-navigating a system and, you know, referring themselves out, it has to be something that happens on a very, very frequent basis. It does. It does. So from a client perspective, you know, back in December, um, you really couldn't quite talk yet about who some of your clients were. What can you share with us today about employers that you're helping directly or other partnerships you have? Yeah, I know for sure one will be announced, maybe a second again by the time that this airs. Um, so I can talk a little bit. We are working with um, the San Juan Islands. Um, from a hospital district perspective, in an arrangement we didn't actually expect to be doing. So it's largely a Medicare and Medicaid population. But the actual reason that we're working with them is the number of clini uh, clinical, sorry, the number of clinicians available in a remote area like that is very, very small. And then when you actually have some level of moderate to major event, you are airlifted to Seattle. 
So the amount of cost that goes just into being able to manage that particular arrangement is very, very high. Also, remote access to care is a real problem. Um, it's a great way for us to also demonstrate that we can deliver not only to remote areas like that, but to rural areas, perhaps in other parts of the state. So that is a client we're really, really excited to actually work with because we'll be able to bring care that um, they are not able to receive just because of where these people reside. And by being able to, again, deliver some level of virtual primary care and a collaborative care model, uh, we'll be able to actually support the lowering of costs and keeping people there um, that don't necessarily need to be in Seattle for all of their healthcare needs. So that is an announcement we'll have this week. Um, I can say this, uh, there are a couple Fortune employers and one major health plan that we are in contracting with at the moment. I'm hopeful that one of the others will be announced by the time this airs, but I will be safe and not ruin that press release or my head of brand. <laughs> All right. That's good. I mean, we, we always like getting the first scoop here, but you know, we, we want to, we want to honor your obligations there too, of course. Um, I think it's a great segue here too, to talk about a really interesting partnership with HMA, which is, you know, one of the reasons why Lindsay has joined us this morning. Um, so I, I know it's not live yet, but what can you maybe let's let's just start first, Lindsay, with um, you know, as a as a consultant in the Washington area, I have experience working with your people. I have experience, you know, understanding a little bit about how you bring, you know, preferred vendors and, and partners into your, you know, into your arrangement. And while HMA is very open, you don't necessarily work with every vendor or Maybe and maybe one of the right words is integrate every vendor into your process and into your um, your system. Not everybody makes the cut. So you know, can you share with our listeners a little bit about what makes Lynn Health different? Certainly. Um, so, to, just for anyone who may not know HMA, to give you a little bit of background about us, and thank you certainly for the introduction. So, we've been in business since 1986. And all that we've ever done um, and all that we think about are the needs of self-funded employers. So we administer health plans on behalf of self-funded plans. And with that, we understand that we're stewards of those health plans. Um, the, our clients rely on us to deliver value. They rely on us to be a great partner. They rely on us to put their people first. Um, so we really look at everything with that mindset. You know, we're not distracted by other types of initiatives or with other lines of business. It's, it's really about that lens and how we think about things. So as we think about the solutions that we bring to bear, um, that that's what we keep in mind. Um, and I would say, as we, we evaluate, we certainly see lots of solutions. Um, there's many types of uh, companies that come to us and say, hey, we've got this great product we'd like you to take a look at. And we also have the lens of seeing solutions that may have come to our customers that our customers might be evaluating directly. Um, in that TPA model, certainly we, we see quite a bit of that as well. Um, we focus on solutions that deliver clear value, both to the customer and to the member. Um, we're looking for something that's additive to what we already offer. Um, we look for something that has a rigorous evidence base to support it. And we, we look for, for solutions that are prepared to provide every single customer with reporting to document how it's being used and what results they're getting. It's their money. It's their plan. We want to make sure that anything we put in front of them um, comes with the the data to support what's happening. And I'd say then most importantly, when we think about companies that we wanna partner with, so not just things that we'll integrate, but companies that we really wanna um, dig in and think about how we partner, 
we're looking for those synergies where one plus one equals three, right? Where something that the things that we can do together make us both better so that it's, it's additive to what we do and additive to what that company does such that we're offering something that's even greater to our customer and to their number. You know, I, you know, in, in my time of working with HMA too, and, you know, for some listeners, you know, maybe there are, maybe there's going to be someone listening who's not as familiar with self-funded plants. It's a great responsibility to steward those dollars. As, as you mentioned, the costs associated with healthcare and the costs associated with, you know, larger claims and chronic patients, it's significant. And it does require a lot of um, detailed and, and different kinds of attention that I don't think most patients realize, and maybe a lot of purchasers of healthcare. Uh, and your team does take a great deal of pride in the work they do and understanding that it impacts people and the employers who put a lot of trust in you when they when they choose to work with you. So what was different about Lynn Health? You know, what, what made you stop and pause to think this, this, is a, this is a partnership worthy of that, you know, that big embrace? Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I think, first of all, um, going back to kind of how do we evaluate? You know, I think one of the things that we look for is strong evidence base. While Lynn is new, the evidence base that supports high intensity programs to address chronic disease is really strong. The evidence base for primary care medical homes is strong, right? And Lynn really ticks both of those boxes of, of being this, um, as you say, a warm embrace um, that wraps around the member um, and provides the level of care that someone with multiple chronic conditions that may be struggling in the regular kind of ongoing healthcare system that they have today um, needs. Um, so I think certainly that was something that was important to us. Um, Lynn's focusing on a population that really needs and often wants help, right? Um, and potentially as a population that, that um, is without support, likely to drive material costs to our clients' health plans. Now, these are the people who are most likely to end up as high dollar cases that end up in stop loss. Um, and so working on those is of high value to our plans, um, not only because they care about their people, but also they wanna make sure that their health plans are affordable for everyone they serve ongoing. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really important. So, and, and Rick, this actually brings up, would you remind us what are the statistics around polychronic patients, you know, in, particularly, you know, in Washington, you, you have some really interesting data around that. Yeah, across the board, um, across this entire country, there are currently 34 million people that are deemed polychronic. But by the end of this decade, it's going to be closer to 83 million. But one of the things that we have found, um, not just in working with HMA, but a few other clients where we've received data, is that our central thesis when we started the company was that 15% of the population would likely be eligible for our services. What we have found is it's actually closer to 25%. Wow. And intuitively, as we started to dig in a little bit, throughout the last two years, if you had one chronic condition, the likelihood that you developed a second condition related to mental health or behavioral health is substantially higher than it's ever been. So the, our, our, the reason we're probably getting closer to 25% is because we're going to hit that 83 million number much sooner. So the good news for us is that means more people will be eligible for our services and we can impact the world and humanity in a much more impactful way. Um, but it also means that um, there's a sense of urgency to what we're doing. And to Lindsay's point, employers are going to start to feel the cost of this much sooner than they may have anticipated. And, you know, it's, well, I, I don't know, I guess I, 
I shudder to think about it a little bit because, you know, we, we went through, you know, similar um, anticipation of how pharmacy was going to impact. And, you know, and now you're talking about chronic, these polychronic patients that just starts to create um, a space for employers where you really must take action. Um, and, and along those action fronts, HMA has some great in-house care management programs. I believe you have your own clinicians in-house as well. So how will HMA and Lynn Health work together? Because Lynn Health isn't going to replace your your in-house services. You're going to be actually bringing those pieces together. Is that right? That is right. So I would start by saying, and certainly Rick, feel free to jump in. You know, I think that there's a lot of synergies in our organization, just in the values that we share about taking care of people. Um, So certainly we can speak about what we're working on at this moment in time, but I see our partnership evolving over time to, you know, seek to serve in different ways. You know, we've been talking about behavioral health as an example and behavioral health of adolescents um, as an area where, you know, we we see some opportunity to to work together because we see a high degree of need um, in that population that's not being served in the system as it stands today. from my perspective, you know, right now we're we're working through finalizing our pathways for our anticipated launch that'll happen very soon. You know, really thinking about, you know, how do we warm transfer from our care navigator programs, from our case management programs, you know, as we identify people that have um, the the right kind of set of conditions, the the need that would make Lynn services make sense. Um, how do we help them get there? Um, so that those folks are finding it and it's not necessarily just a, a cold call. You know, I think that's really important um, because healthcare at its heart is a personal human endeavor, right? So the more that we can treat people as people um, and and hold their hand along the way, then, then we, we believe that will make a difference. Um, so that, that's one thing that we're working on. You know, I think the other piece is around co-managing cases. You know, the reality is that many of these people will continue to have needs for more advanced healthcare um, as they're continuing through their health journeys. Um, and as that occurs, then we need to make sure that the health plan is, is really engaging and doing what we need to do to ensure that we um, kind of ease the path um, there and make sure that we, we are kind of working through treatment with them. So we're working through how, how do we co-manage where it makes sense um, to serve different needs of the same person. Big, big endeavors that require a lot of people to come together. Um, what do you both plan for this partnership to deliver to employers? Yeah, from our perspective, we just want to be able to provide care and support for, for everyone who is polychronic within the HMA population, but do so in a way that also makes them aware of all of the other programs that they may be eligible for because they are a member of HMA. Lindsay spoke a little bit about how we can co-manage patients and be able to support them. There might be some that are unaware that they may be eligible for other programs and services that HMA offers, and that's a place where we can actually be an augmentation of everything they do. So obviously, our first focus is really bringing care to these um, patients improving the experience, improving the quality and lowering costs. But I think also making them aware that there's so much other value that you might be able to leverage within the H uh, because you are a member of HMA, I think is a really important focus for us. Yeah. How about you, Lindsay? Yeah. You know, I think um, kind of boils down to meaningful results, right? Um, we, we fully expect to see real results here. Now, our book of business already runs at an average trend that's about one and a half percent for medical and three and a half percent for medical and RX over the last five years, right? Our plans run well. 
but we think we can do better. Um, and so Lynn is part of how we expect to do better. Um, and the employers that we serve need us to do better. Um, healthcare just keeps getting more expensive. And so finding ways to serve people better such that we can keep the cost of these plans down is, is important. Um, I also expect that this is going to deliver happier members. You know, to Rick's point, they've had tremendous results with their NPS and with their, their CSAT. Um, and I think that's as important as it's ever been. You know, happier members means happier employees. Um, and that's really important in a time when the labor market is really tight, right? So an employee who feels like their, their plan is taking care of them and is that has provided for their needs beyond providing them with a job um, is, is a good and important thing to be thinking about right now. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, I can't imagine any employer listening to this and not also, you know, agreeing with the fact that, you know, a lot of what we've done in the past just hasn't worked and maybe it hasn't worked quite as well as it should. And there is no time other that's, that's better than today um, to really start thinking about how do we do it better? And, you know, from the perspective of, you know, I love the comment about, happier people, because it is so easy to forget when we look at claims and we look at dollars and we, and we talk polychronic, we can forget that there are real people that are attached to those things and those people that really, really um, can benefit from someone taking some extra time and someone seeing them in the midst of their claim. (laughs) Um, So Rick, are you, are you still taking pilot patients? you know, what's the best way for someone to connect with you or your team who has listened to this today and believes that, you know, as an organization or maybe as an individual, they could benefit? Yes. So we are officially out of pilot and uh, launching clients at the moment. Um, We are currently working though, I'll start with the state of Washington plan by plan to become in network. Um, as an option so that anyone might be able to actually access our services. Uh, That is a process. The first one, actually, uh, we went live today as an in-network provider with Regents. Uh, We are working through some of the other health plans at the moment. The network contracting and credentialing can just take a couple months. Um, But our goal is by middle of the year, people will be able to seek us on our own, uh, on their own, excuse me. In the interim, making your employer aware that this is a service that you would like to have and uh, something that might be relevant to you is the best way to actually do that. Yeah, sounds good. And Lindsay, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, any employer who is self-funded or is really interested in self-funding should speak with their broker. And certainly, you know, we we work with um, partners like you, Danielle, um, that um, really understand healthcare and what it takes to be self-funded. I think what I would want employers to know is it's not as scary as it sounds. Right. If you if you have the right partners, it it really it's it's not that scary, and it puts you in the driver's seat to do what's right for your people, and to work with your plan over time to make it fit your budget um, and the needs of your population. So um, lots of opportunity, and we'd be delighted to talk with employers and their consultants and brokers that are are interested. Yes, not as scary at all. You know, in in today's environment where we have so much data to help employers make really smart decisions. And you've talked so much today about what I would just call that accountability of of working with partners who can really measure and and track the value of what they're bringing to their employers. It's a completely different time to be able to self-fund and manage your health plan and help your people in some new ways. So 
you know, to that end, I, I would encourage anyone who's, who's thought maybe it is a little bit scary or uh, you don't understand the data. These are some, some great areas where we can certainly help bring the right pieces to the table and help employers do something that works, works better. That's certainly one of, one of my passions. No one is stuck. And yet so often, you know, we can hear those kinds of phrases when it comes to healthcare. Um, so I, I appreciate you both coming and sharing because, you know, when I hear your messages too, uh, there's a lot more hope and, you know, optimism about what can be done and what is coming, right? Um, it's really a whole, a whole new day in being able to bring, you know, technology and people and, and heart together to help. And I, I appreciate what you have both and all of your teams have done to do that for, for all of us. Thank you. And I appreciate you having us. Um, and again, uh, as I, you shared earlier, uh, I went back and listened to the first time I was on uh, your program in October of 2019. And many of the messages are still as resonant today as they were then. So uh, while I am I'm happy everyone's watching us here, they should check out all of the episodes you've had because there's so many, so much great content there. Yes, that that episode that you're talking about, I think we call that the power of we. Good. And, um, you know, it was about mental health. And, you know, we got into addiction. And, um, you know, I say, unfortunately, we we need that message probably now more than ever. And, um, and the services and the care of organizations like both of yours, um, to help people find what what they need, because, um, who who could have known, right? We did that in, in the fall of 2019. And then five months later, know, holy smokes, how could, wow. Yeah. Well, and, and here we are. And um, I think we're all still committed even probably more so in doing what we can in our spheres uh, to help humanity. So if any of you would like to make some connections with these teams, um, if any of you would really like to dig into what it could look like to do something more hopeful and um, more more driven with with better outcomes, then let's connect. And until next time, thank you for listening and thank you for taking some time with us today on The Checkup. Take good care.